On this edition of Cougar Insiders, we're going to talk a lot about the huge, huge upset that BYU had over the University of Wisconsin in Madison. Uh, Jeff Collin and I were there. We're also going to break down exactly what happened in that game, things that stood out to us. We're going to talk a little bit about Tanner Magnum and some of the criticism that he still gets, even though he's become a great team manager. And then we're going to bring, uh, break down BYU's upcoming game against McNeese State. That and more on this episode of Cougar Insiders. Welcome to another edition of uh, Cougar Insiders. I'm Dick Harmon, a columnist for the Deseret News. Along with me is Jeff Call, a beat writer for uh, uh, the Deseret News, and Brandon Gurney, who is also a beat writer and a, and a recruiting expert for our, our, our newspaper. Well, Jeff Call, we're back from uh, Madison, Wisconsin, Camp Randall Stadium, where we witnessed what Sports Illustrated called called the biggest upset of the college football season. We saw a BYU team that nobody gave any chance of, of beating Wisconsin, number six, ranked in the country. They came in. Uh, they, they did not dominate it, but they, they, they stood toe-to-toe. They punched with them, and they probably punched a little bit harder. And we saw a BYU team celebrate in that third quarter at the end, the jump. They were emotional. They were plugged in. Kalani Sataki said before the game, before kickoff, that nobody believes in us, but our players believe that we can win this game. They went out and did it. Maybe one of the best up, upsets that BYU has ever had in, 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 their, in their school history. Well, I, I would say that this, the more I think about it, this game, this win, has to go down as one of the greatest in school history um, because of the circumstances around it, based on what happened last year, based on what happened the last week against Cal to be 22-point underdogs to a team that hadn't lost a non-conference home game in 15 years uh, to play a team that's ranked number six in the country, to go in there and play Wisconsin-style football, smash-mouth football, and take it to them. I mean, I, I just remember at the end of the game, we're making our way to the locker room, and I kept saying to myself, did, we, did I really just see what I just saw? I mean, it was that unbelievable. And yet we, we watched it, and I don't think there was any uh, fluke to it at all. I mean, BYU's win, they had a great game plan. And like you said, they believed. They, they knew that they could uh, beat Wisconsin when most people didn't think that. I certainly didn't think that. And the other thing about the jump around, I mean, uh, they talked about last week how during practice they were playing jump around multiple mm-hmm. times to the point to where they got sick of it. And when, when that third quarter ended and the fourth quarter started and they played that, it was just it was amazing to see those guys, how loose they were, in a close game with the top ten team to be jumping around, you know, waving towels and things like that. They were relishing the moment. It was amazing though, because if you looked at Wisconsin's team, their whole team was just standing there waiting for the, the they were looking at the student I mean the, the stadium was shaking. Yeah. The students and the and the fans there like to do that and it was at least moving three inches uh, the whole floor of the stadium press box where we were on the sixth floor. Um, but but Wisconsin's football players, they were just kind of looking over at BYU going, what's going on? And every BYU coach and every BYU player were jumping up and down and, and to that music and doing that. Brandon Gurney, I, I know you just got back from Disneyland. Welcome back. But um, 
BYU basically went into Big Ten territory and played a Big Ten type of a game offensively. They played smash mouth. I think Jeff Grimes really, really surprised Wisconsin's defensive coaches by what he did with blocking schemes, by doubling up on tight ends and bringing a tackle over to double tackle on one side, pull the center out, do some other things that really messed them up. The jet sweep got them confused a little bit and out of position, and Squally Canada had more yards per carry than the Heisman Trophy Canada. But the thing I want to talk to you about is the defense. BYU's defense took 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 really Wisconsin out of their game. Totally. Yeah, it was an extraordinary win because at this time of the year, you're trying to qualify every win. You're, you're searching around, right? After BYU beat Arizona, you kind of look at what Arizona was doing against Houston. It's like, uh-oh. And then, and then you saw what happened against Cal, and you kind of wonder what BYU is, right? Uh, you try to qualify the wins by what the other opponent does. This is the win that doesn't make sense because Wisconsin, nobody has better line play than Wisconsin. Sure, BYU was able to win the line play against Arizona, who's not a very good line team, right? They were able to exploit that, but Wisconsin, no, no, absolutely. Nothing about this made sense. No, no reasonable prognostication had BYU doing what it did against Wisconsin. Averaging 6.8 r- yards per rush? Are you kidding me? Uh, their lead running back over 10 yards a carry. You just don't do this against Wisconsin. But I think what uh, you want me to talk about the defense? Absolutely. I'm sure their running back had 117 yards, but he also just had 4.5 yards per carry. Um, able to line up and play BYU style. And I thought BYU was going to be in trouble because their style did not correlate well to what Wisconsin did. At least what I thought. But, but by doing that, by able to go on, and we're going to talk about this later. People are complaining, still complaining. Oh, they are not throwing the ball and all that. You don't need to. You're running the ball for that type of average. That is a terrific game plan. You keep it close. Just an amazing win. I, I couldn't believe it. I, I was on the beach, and I just thought, oh, I'll check in, see how bad BYU's getting beat. I'll be honest. I, I didn't expect much. And and just seeing what BYU did, I want to watch the entire game again. I, I didn't get that opportunity. Well, basically what they did is play a game like Wisconsin plays and like Stanford plays and, and uh, like Southern Cal used to play, where you dominate people on the line of scrimmage, you break them down, you get them tired, and you spread them out, and you make big plays. And, and you don't need to pass unless you kind of have to. And you know, you may have missed that Dallin Hoker had a beautiful play right at the goal line. He dropped that pass. From the press box where I was, I thought he caught it. Like catch and then fumble. But the slow motion showed on the other side where we couldn't see, and we didn't have access to any replays that he had bumbled it and done that. But if he had caught that pass play, it could have been 21-7 to in the first half. It was huge. Now let's go to an interview with Coach, the defensive coordinator, Tuiaki. He uh, explained how 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 tough it is to come off a victory like Arizona and then get ready for a game because they failed that test miserably against Cal. And now they're really, really looking hard to not fail the test again coming off a win at Wisconsin. Very emotional. Everybody's patting them on the back, a thousand people at the airport. How do you overcome that now? How do you get your focus now on McNeese State? So many teams lose to FCS teams. You know, um, This year, Nichols beat Nichols beat Kansas, yeah, right, and they just beat Nichols last week. I mean, you kind of look at things like that, but um, this week and this team, I mean, we're, we're ripe for the picketing according to you know, according to just basically, they they would look at it and say these guys are looking past us and get ready for U Dub and and uh, you know we're really playing confident we're going to go in there and take it away. And so we just got to keep our kids kids ready and keep them focused and make sure that we're still demanding a lot from them and practicing the right way and doing everything the right way on and off the field. Um, 
know, it's just I think it's just constant reminders to make sure that they understand these guys are coming in to, to take it take it away from you, and you got to be ready. Um, we got to come in prepared, just like we do every week. You know, the rest of the story segment uh, here, Jeff Call, um, Skyler Southam uh, didn't get a lot of opportunities the first two games, but he did in this one, and he nailed it. Yeah, so we talked last week a little bit about maybe Southam being an unutilized, underutilized weapon that BYU has. He's got some great range. Um, you know, I think they're confident in him up to like 55 yards. And uh, we saw he had a chance in the first half, missed a 52-yarder. And, uh, you know, I don't think it shook his confidence at all because he came back in the fourth quarter and ended up kicking what was the game-winning points in that game, a 45-yarder. And to think about that in a stadium that filled, filled with 80,000 people in a close game, in a clutch situation, to hit a 45-yard field goal is pretty remarkable, especially when you consider it was from a true freshman. And I, I did notice that Ralph Sokolowski said something, tweeted out something today that that's the longest uh, game-winning field goal in BYU history, at least dating back to 1972. No BYU team has ever kicked a 45 or kicked a field goal that far away to win a game. So uh, you know, a lot of credit to him. Um, and then I guess probably something that goes under unnoticed or flies on the radar a little bit is. Gavin Fowler, that snap, if you watched it, and I remember watching that snap. He, it was not on target. It wasn't. It was It was off. And his credit, Gavin Fowler, I mean, he's a six-year senior, basically, who's uh, very calmly put up there and, and set it up for Skylar Southam to, to nail that field goal. And so a lot of credit to him for, for uh, you know making that play happen. A lot of Internet chatter uh, going on about uh, Tanner Magnum still. Before the game, he was the subject of a lot of criticism after the Cal game with two interceptions. People wonder if he's the uh, the right guy for the job. Zach Wilson's name was brought up continually, as it probably will be during the whole season. But in this game, Brandon Gurney, um, I think Tanner ended up being the highest graded out offensive player on Jeff Grimes' chart. He's not being put in uncomfortable positions, and I think that's really significant. He's doing what needs to be done, by and large. When you have a, a rushing attack that's doing what it is, and I think what's alleviating a lot of it is that fly sweep. I, it was like Wisconsin didn't even prepare for it. That, it worked very well in that first half. They kind of got it in the second half to a better degree, but the blocking has been outstanding on that, and it, it's really helped keep things, keep defenses uh, from focusing on just one aspect of the game. It's kind of opened it up in, in that degree where Tanner, you know, we still have question marks whether he can throw the ball down the field uh, uh, with consistency. But as of right now, he doesn't have to. And I think with the emergence, you're seeing Gunnar Romney start to emerge. You're starting to see why he was a four-star prospect and BYU's biggest recruit coming in. I think that he's going to get better and better every game. And I think Marone Laulu-Pututau is really separating himself from the other tight ends as, as, a, as a really good playmaker. And Dallin Holker is absolutely coming along as well. And as those guys, those guys are still developing. They're starting to develop, develop chemistry and all that, but I think with the beginning stages with what BYU's can do and what it can do effectively, I think the offensive game planning has just been uh, remarkable. It, well, it's well, been they, very good. They've turned Tanner Magnum, Jeff Call, into a game manager, and that is he uses the other 10 people around him, let them make plays, get them the ball, and then when he needs to make a big play, coming off play action, getting the defense off balance, throwing some pretty good strikes in that game. Um, the, the Hulker drop was, you know, for every intents and purposes, that was right on the money. It was, it was very good. He hit uh, he hit the Romney kid on a, on a great third down conversion. Um, but uh, the one thing that really stood out in my mind in that game is how well BYU's lines played on both sides of the ball. Yeah, they did. And you saw, you know, a change, a couple changes there. 
number one, you saw um, a guy, Thomas Schoff, not play, and you had uh, Celia Ponga come in for him, a freshman. Yeah, I had to do a roster check for that one. I hate it when I have to do that. <laughs> Who's that guy? Oh, that's him? Yeah, I mean, really? the, He's the, playing? the guy that they switched from, from D-line to O-line during fall camp, and all of a sudden he's starting as Wisconsin. And played the whole game. He played the whole game. Um, made some really key blocks. Uh, I had one of the really good kick-out block on one of Squaw Canada's long runs. I mean, just really impressive. And then on the defensive line, you saw uh, Tuyaki rotating so many guys in there. You get a, a guy, Zach Daw, coming in there, getting his first career sack in the fourth quarter in a, cru- in a crucial situation. And, yeah, just impressive that, that they've established that, that – uh, that mindset and that identity that they're going to be tough on the offensive and defensive lines, and that's how they're going to win games. You, got, is, you, you got to give props to Adam Poults for Butch oh, Powell not playing in that Butch game. Out, yeah. Holy cow. And wow, sour, what a job he uh, did. Yeah, the, the incredible thing is this is a power smash mouth game, and you don't have Braden Albacre, your your most yeah. bruising, blocking fullback in the game. He didn't play. and But like you mentioned, Butch Powell was out. You also had uh, – um, uh, Diane uh, used to be Lake. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's he's out for part of that game. I don't know you're, what his you're status is. You're not going to try his name, Dick. You're just no, going to take I, a pass I, on that. I, I can't do it. But he's out of the game for part of it. I want to hear Dick. As was, was Sione Takitaki. He was out of the game for for a little stint there. But what a game he had. Let's uh, let's go on a little bit more uh, here down the road and break down McNeese State. Three and all, a team that has tremendous speed. Maybe that jet sweep's not going to work in this game, Jeff Call. Maybe it will, but uh, I think BYU is going to hold the advantage on the on the offense and defensive line. But when you go to Louisiana and you recruit players out of there, and McNeese State gets most of the players out of there that LSU doesn't get, and and Louisiana Tech and some others, uh, but they've got speed and they got talent. They do, and you can't. That's a situation where you just can't overlook this team. Um, yes, BYU should win the game, but you, it's not a game you can just show up and win. And it's going to happen, like we found out after that Arizona win, they're going to have to really prepare during the during this week and make sure they they know what they're doing. I think there's a couple uh, Orgeron kids on this uh, on this team, uh, so there is talent. There's uh, this is not a program that you can overlook. And again, BYU for all it's done this year, it still hasn't won a game at home. That's something they need to do. It's amazing that BYU doesn't uh, play as well as home as they do on the road. Generally speaking, not all the time, but generally speaking, and that that seems to be a trend right now, Brandon. Yeah, well, you know they can bucket, but I think the Cal loss will help with this. Uh, BYU is three and zero. Maybe you'd buy in more to the trap game thing. Maybe not because they're three and zero. But looking back at the Cal game, it's like, oh, we had this. Look what happened here, guys. Not going to let it happen again. We got to be up for everyone. That should help in this regard. At least you believe it will. I I think this team mentally has it together. I I think they know what they do. They got what they have to do, and if they apply what they've been taught, that hard work, it's going to come. And I think that they're they're locked in for McNeese State. I'm expecting that they should be able to win this game handily. Well, I I think that BYU. We're going to talk a little bit about the picks now. I think BYU is surprising people. I did think that they would be improved. I think the changes that Kalani Sataki made were were important, and we've seen the difference in practices. We've seen the difference in a lot of different ways. Uh, but I didn't think they'd win at Arizona. I didn't think that they'd win. Uh, going to Wisconsin, I was wrong. I picked them wrong. A lot of people. Oh, you were wrong. the only one, Dick. Oh, <laughs> we, we all had him beat Wisconsin. <laughs> a lot of people are wrong. Hey, if you want to get in these picks in the game, go to DeseretNews.com. We've got grid picks. It's a real fun matchup game. You can win gift cards. Go to DeseretNews.com and sign up right away. Um, they're going to leave out your, I think, three worst weeks, and uh, there's going to be a grand prize at the end of it. So. 
And, you know, tune right in at Grid Picks. Look for it at DeseretNews.com. Now, the final word segment. Uh, there's a lot of things uh, that have happened. This is a dynamic week for BYU football. Uh, I think the one thing uh, that really stood out to me is that this has given an injection of energy and passion back into the BYU fan base, and it was sorely needed. You can feel it. People are talking about it. They're ranked. You know, rankings don't mean much after three or four weeks, but in the case of BYU, as I wrote a column for this week, it absolutely does. Being ranked, Jeff, call means something to an independent. It does, and the fact of the matter is that this, you know, being ranked is one of those pillars of the foundation that Kalani Sataki wants to establish, and the fact that you're ranked this early in the season, and again, you know, it's a long season. A lot has to happen before the end, but to get that validation, that recognition this early in the season, by beating a top 10 team. That means a lot to this program, considering where it's been, especially the last year or so. Final word? I want to give props to the secondary. You look at what the secondary did against Wisconsin last year. They got absolutely shredded. Hornybrook was just shooting ducks in a barrel the entire game. A lot of inexperienced guys played. Isaiah Heron had a really nice game, and you're seeing some talent start to be developed in that secondary where it's not a problem. Has the secondary really been a problem this year? Have they been exploited? They haven't. And and Wisconsin is absolutely that team that, that could have exploited them, and they weren't able to. And I think that's significant going forward. Just before we sign off, just give me one big thing that is a takeaway from that game, Jeff Call. Well, I think it goes back similar to the Arizona game, how well coached this team was, well prepared. Uh, you remember you and I were eating dinner Friday night at a sports-themed restaurant there in Madison, and um, someone from BYU came over to talk who had been over on Wisconsin's campus, and someone from Wisconsin had told him that they felt like this team was really cocky and really confident, really overconfident. And, you know, I think there's something to that, that maybe Wisconsin was overlooking BYU a little bit um, based on what happened against Cal. But to BYU's credit, I mean, they just uh, put their head down and stuck to the game plan, and they had confidence. They believed in what they could do, and they, they executed very well and did what they were supposed to do to win. Final word, Brandon. I, I think what's significant is we're seeing two really good playmakers emerge: Shioni Takitaki and Corbin Kafusi. Uh, we've all seen the talent that Corbin could have, the potential. He's realizing that. He's focusing on football, and he and he's a problem. He is an absolute problem for for opposing offenses. And I think Takitaki put forth one of the best performances I've seen for a while. Uh, maybe since Kyle Van Noy uh, did what he did in the bowl game. I, I think his performance was that good against Wisconsin. And that's a wrap for us here at uh, Cougar Insiders. We invite you to join us uh, on our podcast. Download it wherever you can find it. And also drop us a line. Uh, give us an email. Our address is cougarinsiders uh, at deseretnews.com. Until the next episode, this is a wrap. Join us when we get back together again next week after McNeese State.